Hello, and welcome to Horror of Tales. Before we begin, can I ask if you like and share these videos? Help gain as much exposure as possible to our wonderful artists who kindly contribute to the show. In this tale, a master and apprentice, while on the search for the perfect soul, are taken to some disturbing places. Join us now as we listen to Revenance by Alison Armstrong. My awakener and I trespass, flagrantly jaywalking between sacred and profane, taking what we need with fierce delight. We are passengers, observing the scenery of dreams, avoiding superfluous interaction with the human world we watch through stalking eyes. Always, though the thirst pulses, a furtive centipede with relentless legs of fire, it scurries and stings, transmitting obsessive visions and fervent, never-appeased lust. There is no water in hell. A lurid pamphlet at my fate proclaims as my wakener and I walk past the vomit-smear discards of derelict preachers and drunken penitents. Sky is dissected with metal, aluminium skeletons stretching aimlessly upwards, arms askew in prayer. Underneath, just outside the hot, dank orifice of the subway, the sweaty sermonizers lurk, waiting to thrust their soiled, leafless, oblivious passers-by. Be prepared for Judgment Day, a scowling recruit screeches in a tense, emasculated voice, while bloated trains jammed with commuters echo belching hallelujahs. Descending the greasy, gum-stained stairs, we are greeted by the familiar stench of pine saw, piss and rat poison. The platform seems narrower than I remember, just one sliver of cement jutting into the abyss. Damp, steamy heat wraps around us, suffocating, seeping into our skin, as we try not to breathe in the mildew and decay. Paper cups, soda cans, shattered bottles, and smashed ketchup packets litter the tracks. A broken umbrella, sharp spikes twisted and lethal hovers below. A little further down the rails, a child's plastic action figure lies amputated amidst the scattering of peanut shells. From some secret crevice, a large roach the size of a schoolboy's shoe scurries out onto the track, antennae flickering, then disappears. All along the platform, the savagely scrawled leaflets lie trampled. No water in hell. Judgment Day. Only if you accept this or that competing evangelical group's dogma will you be saved. The pamphlets threaten. Just say our magic words. Recite them in your sleep. Stop thinking and count all those prettily bloating sheep. Time stretches. Long, open-ended and unfathomable. A tunnel from one dark mystery to another. We stand in the stagnant heat, awaiting the brief welcome breeze that signals an approaching train. I can see the hunger and thirst in his eyes, red sparks within the blue flame, but now there's no opportunity to give in to it. He has plans for us, and we must head towards the Bowery in order to fulfil them. Finally, we feel the slight stirring of the air and the distant clattering of the rails as the train grows closer. When it screams into the station, we wait for a few passengers to get out of the nearest car. Then we enter. The train shrieks and lurches as he leads me through the sliding doors from one car to another in search of an uninhabited space. In one car, a young man is standing, reciting passages from Naked Lunch, while the others bury their heads in newspapers or look blankly into space as they sip coffee. As we pass through another car, we see a man draped in a black trash bag hobble through the aisle, rattling a can of coins and muttering, Help me! 
Help me! A woman throws a few pennies on the floor, then hides her face behind a Wall Street journal. Another, plugged into her iPod, rocks back and forth. As Timmy wails, Bernie stifled, no other way through atrophy neurons, and rats burrow underneath the train tracks. Stepping out of the subway, the gaze at streets we once knew, now forcibly, brutally facelifted. The grimy, wrinkled former inhabitants pushed to the rapidly smoothing contours as the neighbourhood was being cosmetically enhanced, one building at a time. Scaffolds scratch at the sky and a fierce passion to create clones of themselves. More office spaces, more overpriced apartments, more malignant consumerist growth. Listen to the sound of the dreams. My awakener reminds me as we sit on scene on the stoop outside the abandoned bakery. Forget about the waking world around you, its creatively stunted artifacts. Focus on the dreams, the desires, dreads, regrets, and find one with a hunger so vast it can only be satisfied by death. That dream will summon you, and you will respond. It will be your invitation into the dreamer's deepest yearnings. He and I wait through the dreams. Presence reverberating within our ears like tinnitus shrapnel from a ghostly battlefield, sizzling foam wires with mangled, miscarried conversations and hijacked high frequency whispers. The garble of sound gradually forms patterns, visual images, staticky cinematic settings. They ebb and flow, mind waves tossing little bits of garbage from the day before, mixed with derivative fictions, self glorifying screenplays and long-suppressed urges shrink-wrapped in symbolic shrouds. As observers, we watch what takes place, perceiving thoughts and images, yet remaining detached, indifferent. We are the filters, the invisible interpreters, predators who have been ushered into our subjects' secret fantasies. Somewhere amidst the deluge of insistent, insidious sounds and sights, a dream of fatal, awe-consuming desire reveals itself. In the corner of a dimly lit restaurant, Scenario of her nightmare, the dreamer sits. For her is short, a drab beige brown, invaded by furtive incursions of grey, and her face, partially obscured by the menu, is worried. She has been to this restaurant, her favourite, many times before, but it looks disturbingly different. Although it is only a few blocks from her home, it seems foreign, alienating. A large grandfather clocks ticks with solemn precision. She glances at the Roman numerals embedded in the amber-strapped insects and its antique yellow face. 6pm. Shadow butterflies of reflected candlelight whirl backwards above the tables. Overhead, a chandelier hovers, crystalline shards impaling the thick tensor. Ageless, it is presided over the spittle-pasted ruins of countless males as desperate diners appease their mortal fears with borrowed flesh. Shaking pendulous sides of glinting glass, Weights in lethal balance, poised above the unsuspecting customers, who, oblivious to its lethal blades, slurp away in gluttonous abandon. At tables scattered throughout the spacious restaurant, people are loudly smacking their lips as they talk. Their wooden yakking jaws flop open dumbly, like a cow's in mid-cud reverie. Their snide smells curl, so sweet, so curdled. Some diners, white-shrouded, grease-smeared, huddle in the back, gorging an ordolan. Tiny bones crunch as entrails slither omens like fortune cookie messages to their overfed devourers. The woman does not see us as we enter her dream, yet she feels the chill of hunger, raw and merciless, true animal hunger, 
something none of these satiated gourmands will ever understand. The hunger of wolves gnawing the bones of the last caribou as a long sunless winter erases all possibility of warmth. It is the woman's birthday, and she is depressed because of it. She does not want to be reminded of her age, and the relentless span of years comprising her featureless life. Nor does she want to know what lies ahead of her, this incessant horrors glimpsed in unilluminated mirrors, yet at night, and only her cats to help keep away the emptiness. She does not know that she sits at the precipice of a cliff, beneath which all is blackness, charred meat, sin's flesh, so-called bottomless pit of imagination driven insane. A waiter, tall, white-haired, emaciated and withered, visits each table, sprinkling grey peppered under the pulsating entrees. Grinning obsequiously, he gives her a wink of disturbing familiarity, skeletal trickster, what-if magician, coaxing maimed droppets out of smooth satin hats. This being, morbidly grim, has glimpsed the shadowy fate she fears. For her, he has prepared a gift, a revelatory birthday feast. She waits, nervously turning her paper napkin in the ragged strips. Perhaps these little paper strips will lead her, Ecthesius, out of the labyrinthine abyss she has unconsciously created for herself. Perhaps not. She suddenly remembers that she forgot to feed her cats before she left. They will be yelling for her. The ones in the alley will probably come to visit also, including the mother cat and her newborn kittens. Her favourite cat, James, was also likely waiting in the bed for her. Cuddling with him comforted her more than anything else these days. As James wrapped himself around her head at night, he blocked out almost all the sounds of the busy streets. The drunken shouts, screeching brakes, and frenzied lunatic car alarms. Sounds that made her feel lonely and afraid, isolated from the incessant pulse of the city she once loved. Morbidly returns to her table, bringing a silver terrain. With a lumpy, stagey flourish, he lifts the cover, revealing an uncooked pumpkin. Voila, he proclaims, as she stirred, haggard-eyed, at the bizarre item that she had almost certainly did not order. He hands her a silver knife, curved like a scythe and spreads out a newspaper. Cut, madame, he commands. His eyes burrow into hers, excavating secrets. From the newspaper place setting, grey-white faces peer up at her. Dearly beloved father, devoted daughter, the obituary notices declare as the photos gaze ghostly from the great unknown. Standing beside her, Morbidly watches as she begins to cut into the pumpkin. As if she were making a jack-o'-lantern, she slices into the top and takes off the lid. Into the orange flesh she hacks, her fingers scooping out globs of pulp and seeds. Strands, Medusa hers, spill out in occult tidal clumps. Hieroglyph letters, scrawling, sperm-like forms twist themselves into illegible shapes, snares and snakes and coils. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater, she finds herself muttering. She is opening the door to the pumpkin chamber, a fetid little Halloween hovel where she can lock herself up in forever. Must make room for cats, she tells herself, giggling. If only, she fantasizes, if only she could be like that good witch in Thomasina, her favorite childhood movie and book. That witch was young and beautiful, living alone in the woods, surrounded by the animals she healed with her loving magic. Too late for that now, though. Too old. Too tired. As she digs deeper, and the pile of gore grows, saturating the newspaper, obliterating the preciously departed. Her fingers touch two shiny hard mounds about the size of golf balls. Two miniature pumpkins nestle inside the rabbit's womb. Life or death, Morbidly whispers. These are the twins awaiting your decision. Take one with you. 
abort the other. With her eyes closed, she reaches inside the pumpkin, pulling out one of the small round embryos. She places it on the table atop the eviscerated remains, then rests the other one from the cavity and clutches it in her hand. This one, she rasps, her voice weary and defeated. This one I choose. Please take everything else away. I just want to go home. Death it is then, Mobility announces in a booming voice that startles the other diners from their contented face. You heard the woman? We will give her the presence she has chosen. The woman opens her mouth, letting loose a wail. No! The O's are hollow eye sockets, the air oozing from the deflating tire, the blood whooshing from a punctured vein. Eat or be eaten, the peeling sign warns all those who enter. Beside the doorway, hidden by the fortress of garbage cans and soggy cardboard, squirming, saucy-shaped newborn kittens suckle their mother's teats. Tiny, mewling cries of hunger and satisfaction affirm the desire for life. We follow the trail of cats, the yowling horde traipsing through the alley and leaping into a nearby apartment's open window. A mother cat we saw in the doorway of the restaurant train is the last to arrive. She carries her squalling kittens one by one into the room and stands over them protectively, guarding them from the unruly mob. To this small home of her provider, the dreamer, she has returned. On the black and white linoleum kitchen floor, the woman lies. Water from a broken yellow ceramic bowl spilling out into her white cotton nightgown. Her leg is twisted to one side, and a scraggly tiger cat is nibbling at her callous toes, purring with hungry contentment. The woman whimpers, a high-pitched crooning, no, as the other cat starts sauntering towards her, yowling and staring. From a gash on her temple, blood trickles slowly. Apparently she had been refilling the cat's water dish when she slipped in some water, fell and injured herself. An orange tabby, round as a jack-o'-lantern, licks at her head wound, tearing off a small piece of skin, and growling menacingly, the slender Siamese approaches. Timidly, the Siamese retreats, finding an unguarded area of the woman's thigh to chew upon. James, the woman gurgles, staring up at the black cat with mantis green eyes, he crouches beside her. He gives a slight mew of acknowledgement, then bats his paw at her fearfully fluttering eyelids, and rubs his tail against her horror-stricken face. Milling around her and meowing triumphantly, more cats came spaces beside her, helplessly writhing body. Theirs is a victory, but a victory, unfortunately, to share. A lanky grey cat with tattered ear claws at the plump, fluffy white cat, snatching a piece of gristle from the long-haired feline, who is too lazy and well-fed to put up much of a fight. Other cats, Calico, Tuxedo, young and old, hastily gobble shreds of flesh torn from the woman's legs and torso. They glance up at us, eyes questioning, Weary. Inside their semi-conscious entree, Toxoplasma lurks, nor acknowledges this Gunday god parasite presiding over the feast. Although merely a protozoa, this being has spun the thread of fate which now, like a spooling yawl of yarn, entices the cats, goads them into action, tickles inside the woman's flowing brain, sending out the summons. Here, kitty kitty. And it's the prototype morbidity. The worm in the shriveled apple beckoning finger of the forbidden. The cats hate this call of the wild, the saber-toothed hiss reclaiming their kind from the bonds of domesticity. No more will they consent to be human playthings. They are no longer complacent purina placated predators. They, like us, have abandoned the mastery of human rules. Trying to perceive the dying woman's mental images, I sense surges of panic, followed by cold, grim sloughs of resignation. Sharp crests and flat featureless planes. 
erratic visions of cats with pointed, fiery auras that glows in the art of Louis Ruin, dissolve in the Mandela patterns, gleaming orange eyes gazing upon the abyss of squirming fetal forms, larvae metamorphosizing and disculling moths bringing escape from loneliness. Slithering past the silken, growling throng, we lie down beside the woman's head. The cats, intimidated by our unearthly scent, neither animal nor human nor anything they have encountered, watch as we close her eyes, concluding the scenario scripted by viruses. Immune to the karma encoded by Toxo and his infectious cohorts, we drink in the throbbing essence of her sadly stunted life. Since this is my first experience at a kill, my awakener lets me take what I need first before joining in. Her blood, though not nearly as rich, complex and invigorating as my awakener's, has a surprisingly musky, feral taste, sharply contrasting with the repressed, spinterish appearance. Each swallow reveals intriguing flashes of memory. I see the woman in her childhood, blonde, with long braids and a carefree, wild gip smile. She is giggling as she holds her black kettle in her arms. I see her a few years later, standing in the backyard of a suburban home, crying as she places a glass jar filled with dandelions on a mound of dirt, the grave of her first pet. She is cursing God for taking her cat, and her face, defiant despite her tears, is unforgiving. A few swallows more brings me to her teenage years. She sits in her bedroom of what appears to be the same suburban home, and is scribbling angrily in her diary. I hate that boy, she writes and scratches with a pencil, as if to blot out his existence. Junior high makes me sick. I don't ever want to grow up. Things will just keep getting worse and worse the older I get. As I near the end of my feast, the memories get denser, more clogged and bleak. I see her in her twenties, watching people gyrating in the dance club. The clothes and dance moves glitzy, devoid of spontaneity. I see her perhaps ten years later, wearily returning home to her New York City apartment, closing the drapes, turning on the TV and feeding her five cats. My last swallow of her brings me to much more recent memory. She is sitting in her chair, nine cats milling and mewing around her, one cat lying above her chair, his green eyes majestic and imperious. Although the rest of the woman's life had been stifled, snuffed of joy and creativity, her cats, this one in particular, reminds her of the vital, free, willful being she once was, a being that I can still taste within her blood. What made her turn so bitter and depressed I can never know for sure. Except for the memories I briefly glimpsed, the rest of her life remains an untapped enigma. Her yearnings nearly smothered until death's released. Only now is she free to flow into the thrillingly dangerous realms of her childhood dreams. Only now can she undulate through the keyholes, slip past the censors. Having become one with her beloved cats, she will never be alone. With them, she will glide through the darkness, free, savouring all of her fantasies. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our latest horrific tale. If you want to keep up to date with future episodes, then subscribe to our YouTube channel and like or follow our social media pages. You can also give the channel support by visiting our merchandise store and picking up some of our items. Please also take a moment to support our contributing artists who very kindly lend their talents to the show. Check out the links in the description on how you can do this. Well, that just leaves me to say, until next time my friends, keep it creepy. Keep it horrific.